Hey, Enneagram friends, I'm Abby, an IEA accredited Enneagram coach and certified somatic experiencing practitioner. And today on the podcast, I share the coaching space with an Enneagram four that wants to show up well in conversations with her partner who leads a type five. We explore the feelings of shame that can sometimes exacerbate these moments and how we might move out of that heart space into a more embodied approach to process and metabolize that emotion. We also take a look at the dynamic of type four and type fives and being in that withdrawn stance and how they can communicate that need to withdraw well to each other. We also touch on the movement of type four to type two in those seasons of stress. And the type four in this coaching session uh, was someone that I formally supervised years ago. And it really was a gift to get to share this space back with her, um, this one-on-one space again with her. So I hope that you'll listen in with curiosity and and see what resonates in your experience. I'm curious what uh, you have been thinking about, what's come to mind um, in this invitation to coaching and and what what you'd like to explore during our time together. Yeah. um, So as I was thinking about it, I feel like you and I have been able to deep dive a little bit before. um, And so that's been really great to have that foundational knowledge. I think one thing that I feel like I'm working through with being an Enneagram four, and I think it's possible it could be more plaguing, I guess, for us fours is focusing so much on the what we feel to be the negative sides of our Enneagram number. Um, And so just thinking about like, I'm focusing on like what I feel like I'm not good at or what my natural tendencies bring me to do that I'm not proud of um, instead of celebrating like all of the cool things about being a four and being able to you know, reach so deep into my emotions when sometimes that doesn't feel like a very celebrated thing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Is there um, a recent like situation or conversation where this has just come up for you, this element of, of feeling um, either bogged down in the, you know, the unhelpful tendencies of the type structure or just realizing like it's hard to celebrate the good parts? Yeah, definitely. I feel like Um, in my marriage. So I've been married for a year and a few months now. Um, And so just kind of getting to see my personality reflected on a person that's there all the time, sees every part of me, sometimes will like bring out like me thinking about how they view me very often, how they are perceiving me, what, you know, I could be doing better because I'm so easily able now to be able to see like, oh, sometimes my emotions in this space that I used to occupy by myself is now affecting another person. And Mm -hmm. so where do I find that space to like process what I'm going through and all the things that I'm feeling without having someone who is incredibly logical, um, Cal identifies as a type five. And so having someone who's very just like practical and doesn't always feel the same emotions as me, how do I go about navigating that in a space where someone's looking at me all the time? 
Yeah, for sure. Well, it sounds like there's almost these two pieces. One, and just this heightened awareness of how am I perceived? And before it was, I'm alone. So there's that when I go home, I get to turn that part of me off um, because I'm by myself and now I'm not. Um, And then, you know, the second piece of how do I process my emotions with the person I'm sharing life with um, when, you know, they may have a (laughs) not as uh, easy of a time doing that anyways, let alone the fact that now it's a new thing that you're discovering and exploring because you're you're living with someone. Um, so that first piece, I'm curious in the moments that you um, are aware that you are paying attention to how he perceives you or are curious about how he perceives you. Do you notice it in the moment when it's happening or, or is it after the fact when there's some kind of like negative fallout that comes from trying to figure out what he's thinking? I feel like it's 100% of the time in the moment. Okay. Um, well, maybe there's a, there's a small percentage where I'm looking back on those. I think I would definitely say it happens probably in both. So in the moment, I feel like I'm just incredibly intuitive to what he is feeling. And so if I ever see like a facial, you know, reaction, or I just, yeah, see the way that he's responding. And I, if I ever think, you know, Oh, he's not completely understanding what I'm feeling and where I'm trying to go with this. I can like shut down sometimes mm-hmm. and feel like it's not appropriate to be able to process that. Even though I know that he loves me, I know that he wants to hear me out. He's definitely in it there. He's not trying to retract um, all things that I feel like he does that are choices, not so much as natural tendencies, but um, yeah. So I feel like in the moment I'm realizing that, and that makes it even harder and makes me feel shame and like yeah. makes me feel like um, I shouldn't be feeling what I'm feeling. Um, and none of that shame is typically provoked by him. It's all me in my head. So, yeah. yeah. So even now, as you talk about that, I'm curious if that that sensation, that feeling of shame, that sense of like, ugh is coming up for you even now as you talk through it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Cause yeah. it, yeah, it's just bringing back a bunch of different like scenarios that I can picture in my head of like, Oh, I could have done that reacted to that so much better. Or yeah. um, why can't I just explain or, or just not explain, you know, <laughs> just yeah. you know, let him, you know, know me as he already does. Mm-hmm. Um, and just accept me in that space if I'm having a bad day or things like that, instead of just trying to over explain and fix everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even in this moment, you know, as you feel that kind of bubbling up, as you remember these conversations in these moments, you know, one of the things that I um, do in individual coaching spaces is called somatic experiencing, but it's this idea that your emotions, they also have a physical remnant to them too. You know, when we're nervous, we have knots in our stomachs, right? If Or we might feel like scattered or like, you know, that, that uh, disorientation. Um, or, you know, if we're like trying to fight back tears, we might feel it in our throat, right? And so, having some awareness of what that emotion feels like in your felt sense can be really helpful, um, even in just acknowledging that it's arising for you, but also metabolizing it so that it doesn't become this new layer that's part of you and your identity. So even just taking a moment as you talk about these experiences and that sensation, that feeling, emotion of shame comes up, 
I'm curious if you kind of check in with your felt sense, if there's anything that you can notice, a heaviness on your chest, a tightness in your throat. It's okay if not, it's a different way of thinking about things. Um, but sometimes that's a really helpful like conduit for processing emotion so that it is not just our head and our, our heart space going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Yeah, no, I think that's incredibly helpful and not the first thing that I notice. Um, I definitely, I definitely feel those things. So tears, easy for me to access. Um, so I can definitely feel the throat. Um, I'm, I'm more fidgety kind of like, I don't know if it feels like I'm trying to come out of my own skin of like, ah, like Mm -hmm. if you don't like pieces of yourself or something that you've done, you just want to try to separate yourself from it. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely feel that. And I think that that's something that can be really helpful to, to think through, um, in those moments, because I do get really in my head, really in my thoughts, really like feel my heart, you know, beating out of my chest and like what, and I am always thinking of in moments like that, like what, what's going to happen as a result of this. I'm already like looking forward at how I'm going to look back on it. Um, and that can be really like debilitating in the moment. So I feel like that could be really, really helpful. If like thinking yeah. my physical space and where mm-hmm. I am. Yeah. And even, you know, you described like your heart beating, right? That's a physical sensation too, even though it's in your heart space, but it's that sense of like, oh, I can feel this like hyper arousal happening in my nervous system. Um, And even, you know, if you can give yourself some space to breathe, breathe through that sensation, almost imagining as if your breath could go through into that heart space and calm down the heartbeat. Because sometimes in these moments, we get so flooded with whatever the emotion is, and then we're trying to fix the emotion, um, and it it comes out sideways in a way that's reactive, or, uh, you know, that reaction could be saying something, but also could be this quick, you know, withdrawing of, I feel too exposed, and now I have to withdraw away, because this feels too messy, and too, um, I'm not communicating things the way that I, that is true for me, and I don't want to be misunderstood either in that, um, and so sometimes even, you know, uh, I will tell people, like, even putting your hand on your heart, and giving yourself some ability to, like, feel your heart, um, you know, you may want to do that more on your own, but, but even in those moments, if you can tell that something is, is really triggering or flooding for you, giving yourself some some ability to kind of acknowledge it um because what can also happen there's, there's a lot of dynamics that happen in it one of them is that you know in these moments of of feeling the um you know whatever emotions are rising and then shame kind of comes online of this is too much or you shouldn't feel that way for one reason or another whether it's because of the person we perceive can't handle it or we don't have the right to feel that way or whatever it is and in that instead of almost like metabolizing the emotion so that it can go it's supposed to come be experienced and then go we hold on to it that type four structure like claims it as if this is just true of me whatever the shame is telling you and that's really what builds that um that lingering feeling of inferiority as if somehow like you're not you're not doing this the right way or um sometimes people will say like that they feel too much and it's it's the emotion of shame not being metabolized so that it it um, doesn't stick to you. You know, it's almost like it becomes 
part of you. Um, the last season I had a type four in a coaching session and she talked about it being like a Lego, like as if she's a body of Legos in that moment is like one more chip of the Lego that gets put on her. Um, and so it, it, it becomes part of the identity of, um, something's wrong with me and that's why this is happening. So that's a lot of me talking. How does that land with you? Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And that's something that I feel like I have been prone to do is just, you know, feel like not everyone feels this way. Why do I feel this way? way? Um, I feel like my husband can just so easily be able to be calm in a moment um, when I feel like, you know, sometimes my insides are just <laughs> all in a knot um, as well as my thoughts are all in a jumble. Um, but yeah, no, I, that, that is, that is a really good way to think about it. The Lego example, um, of just adding that to, and I know one thing that is hard for me, even though that I do feel emotions so deeply, anger feels like something that's very foreign to me still. And it's an emotion I'm still not comfortable with, I guess, and one that, I haven't felt a whole lot of in my life. Um, and I, I have such ease with happiness, even with sadness, um, and just, you know, melancholy, like all those, but, but anger is something that is hard for me. Um, and I went through something recent medically that I feel like kind of brought up those feelings for me, Mm. um, that felt new. And so navigating that with, you know, like I said, in like my first, year of marriage it's like that's that was so tough because I I didn't know how to express that in a way that was helpful um or where I could you know use it to my you know to my benefit or you know in a more positive way I guess um and I I don't know if that's a, a true experience for a lot of fours um if there's like emotion that they don't typically feel um but everything else you know feels easy to me Like Mm -hmm. if people are, you know, going through hard times, like sometimes it's easy for me to just be able to sit in those spaces. Um, But that was one that was really difficult. And I feel like started to become like how I thought of myself, which Mm -hmm. is really hard because, you know, who I am means so much to me and how I present that to the world. So, yeah, you said that it was hard to like to articulate, explain, express, how did it come out? Like, how did, how were you aware that you were angry? And then how did it come out? I just kept saying the phrase like over and over. I don't feel like myself. I don't, I'm not who I once was like, (laughs) you know, that can easily bring you into like an identity crisis. Um, And so I started to just have to think back through, okay, so what are some of the changes that have gone on in my life? Um, And then tried to help pinpoint, oh, it could be because of this, you know, and then addressing that problem. I feel like I'm kind of on the other side of it and I feel a lot better. I know that that's vague, but um, I feel a lot more myself because I'm not feeling those unwanted feelings Mm -hmm. of anger. But if there was something that ever brought that back up, I would want to know that I could, you know, be able to, to handle that. Um, Mm -hmm. but it was, yeah, it was mostly just that feeling of like, I I feel like if someone met me right now, they wouldn't think of me the way that someone I met three years ago would think of me. 
And mm-hmm. first impressions mean so much to me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, and I think even, you know, as you talk about the anger and, and really the the feeling around it, right? Trying to make sense of the emotion based off of um, that feeling and, and how that ties to your identity. Um, you know, I think there will be another time that you're angry because you have a, you have a lot of life ahead of you and anger is a normal human emotion. Um, and so I think even in that, that process, both in, in what you've already resolved, but thinking about it in the future, um, in those next moments, if the language that comes up for you is, I don't feel like myself and, and that's a helpful indication that it might be anger, like starting there with that curiosity, but also on that process, as you are sorting through and making sense of things, um, taking on the practice of keeping kindness on top of that, um, because that won't be the natural orientation. It will be something is wrong and I need to, I need to fix whatever is wrong in me or broken in me or off. Um, and, and in that, um, we forget to acknowledge anger is a normal human emotion. You know, it is super easy for some and very difficult for others, like all the emotions, right? Um, someone could say the same thing about the, the other emotions that you listed off, but, but in that moment, even if it is like a mantra that we are re- reminding ourselves of, like, it is okay to be angry. This is a normal human emotion. And I'm going to choose to be kind to myself in this process, whether that's the process of being curious, the process of trying to figure out how to express it. Um, and also anger tends to have a pretty big somatic profile to it, um, of how it shows up in your body. And so that is another thing too, of like in those moments when you're feeling off to like be curious and even something as simple as like a body scan, there's lots of guided meditations. Um, insight timer is a a really good free app for that. Um, but even like going through and just sensing, you know, a lot of times with anger, there's a temperature change, like you feel hot, um, or there's like a constriction in your throat or on your chest. Yes. Your furrowed brows, there's like a a tension that can show up in your jawline and your rigidity in your shoulders. Um, and it's almost, especially when it's not expressed, it's like this charged up energy that like can't get out. Um, and so even that can be a helpful indicator of like, oh, I'm angry. Okay. That's the name for this, of what's going on. Why am I angry? Let's be curious about that. Um, let's allow that be, to be and to experience that and process it so that it doesn't feel um, like it's totally derailing us or attacking our identity because we can be the same person and be angry or be happy or joyful. Um, it, you are still you. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah that's, <laughs> I think that's something I'm still working through is I, I am not just my emotions um and even if someone meets me on a bad day that's not who I am it's much much deeper than that Mm -hmm. yeah because even how people perceive you is not you that's just your persona right (laughs) which is just that that to me is just so wild to accept (laughs) that's something that I know to be true but is very hard um yeah. Yeah. And again, as you, you know, when, when you know that to be true, sometimes even just having like simple things that you remind yourself of how someone perceives me is not who I am. Like even just reminding yourself when you can tell that you are, are worried or concerned or picking up, you know, with hyper awareness, how others are perceiving you trying to fix or mend it. 
just reminding yourself of that truth of how people perceive me is not who I, it's not me. That's not my identity. That's not who I am. So not that we like go around treating people like garbage, but like on the days when you're just off and you're tired or you're just missing steps, it's okay. That's just part of it. Things get messy sometimes and we have seasons of that, not even just days and, and that's okay. Yeah. And it's like to a core and especially whenever I'm feeling very like confident, secure, very like in a good place, it does not affect me that much. It's mostly like whenever I feel like I am in that stress zone. Um, But yeah, I feel like it's more so when people haven't gotten to know me and they make an assumption as opposed to when I've, if, I feel like someone has gotten the chance to get to know me um, and then they perceive me in the wrong way. That's whenever I get more like, I guess, defensive might be the word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Or I well, hang on. I actually want to, yeah, re change that. It's whenever I meet people, they've never, um, they haven't gotten to know me and they make an assumption that I feel like is wrong. That's when it's like, doesn't sit well with me. But if yeah. I have gotten to know someone for a long time, they have, you know, made their opinion of me and it's, and they don't like, that's completely fine with me. <laughs> like, totally. you've tried them. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> yeah. There's like an actual chance for that. And that, yeah. and that a lot of that, I think other type fours would resonate with too, because it's just like desire to be understood, um, like to be known in a lot of ways. And, and so our type reacts when like we're misunderstood or assumptions are made about us, and especially, you know, that assumptions are made that are not true about us being someone different than we are. Um, and so, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, Rewinding a little bit to, uh, you know, kind of that the scenario you described of, of having um, a lot of emotions that you're sorting through and and then this interaction um, with your partner and that type four structure almost colliding with the type five structure. Um, you know, one of the things that I want to uh, encourage in that moment, in addition to like sensing in, not just to emotions, um, because you're good at that, right? You High emotional intelligence good awareness of what's going on for you, but to, uh, take the step past that volume, you know, that loud volume on your emotions and to sense in with your felt sense, um, and to let that be a way that you're, uh, bringing calm to, to that state, not because you're trying to get rid of the emotions, right? That is part of your experience. It's giving you information about what might be going on for you. Um, but it's, it is calming your nervous system so that you're not so flooded and it doesn't feel like, um, cause what happens in that place, you know, it becomes this very pressured sense of, I need you to understand me. And it becomes almost this, like you have to, or something is in danger if you don't understand me. And it, it's this like vigilance towards, um, wanting to be known and understood. And then when you get to the edge of this, this, you know, cliff and this tipping point, there's this realization of like, they're never going to get it. And then it becomes this like quick snapback withdrawing. Um, and in that, All of it totally makes sense, right? What I just described, that makes sense. But for the other person, they don't know what's going on. And so what it can feel like is like, this is really important. And then all of a sudden, I don't get to be a part of it. Or this really matters and they don't trust me to know it. Or they've, or even they've changed their mind, which you haven't. You still need some space to process through. It still matters to you. It's still still hard or hurting or whatever it is. Um, How does that lane for you? Um. 
I, I have like tried to work through some of these things, like in those moments. And, um, I found that one helpful thing that I can do that I've tried to continue to do is be able to articulate it in that moment of like, I like need space or I don't feel like I can have like the type of conversation that I would want to have, um, Mm -hmm. in that moment. Um, but sometimes that can spiral into me like over explaining, um, and creating like this very, just like confusing, you know, where it's hard for, for him to like comprehend like what I'm trying to explain, especially if he might have never felt it. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm trying to think of a, an example. Yeah. The over explaining piece, though, um, you know, sometimes that language is like inherently judgmental, right? Like it doesn't feel like you should ever over explain it. And so if I can encourage you to to have, um, again, some kindness on that, because the desire is to be known. Mm-hmm. And so it can when it's, you know, when we're really flooded, we're really um, reactive or defensive, it, it can t- turn into explaining more than we need to. Um, but it's not for the sake of hearing our own voice. It is this deep desire for them to connect and to know, um, you know, for type four is that attention always goes towards emotional or towards connection. Um, and like, I, I want you to see me and I want to see you and I, and I want us to be like, on the same page or moving in the same direction or, you know, there's gotta be a lot of different values around that. Um, and so I think what you're describing though is a really helpful practice of, of being able to articulate, um, I need a little bit of time to come back to this and again, letting it be, um, a simple statement. And, and part of what lets it be a simple statement is if you agree ahead of time on what you will say to him the next time this happens. You know, if this isn't like a one-time thing, like it feels like, no, this happens. Like this is just part of our wiring. Um, in the same way that any other couple would have almost these like terms of engagement um, to just, when you're not flooded, when you're not overwhelmed to say like, hey, when I get to a point where it feels like I am not like communicating as well as I want to. I'm not representing myself in the way that I actually feel or what I actually want. I'm just going to use this phrase. And it's my phrase is like, let's come back to this later. Let's put a pen in it. Let's set a time to do this later. Or it can be something silly like peaches. Like it, is, it can be whatever if you need something jovial to, to be a little bit of a, a levity in it. Um, but almost letting him know like, it's not because I don't care. It's not because I'm abandoning you. It's not because I don't think you'll get it. Um, it's not because I don't want you to know me. It is because I like, it is, it's too much swirling information of, uh, of my thoughts and emotions. Um, and I want to be able to articulate that well in a way that's honoring of, of who I am and how I want to interact with you in our relationship. Um, and right now it's a jumbled mess and I just need some space. Like I need to withdraw to figure it out and collect my thoughts. Yeah. No, I, I feel like that's, that's incredibly, incredibly helpful. And, um, I love having those type of deep conversations. And so it's very easy for me to be able to like bring up in a moment when I'm not feeling that way, um, and present it in a way that's, you know, where I feel like I can articulate it and I can, um, prep myself for just the inevitable emotions of everyday life, Mm -hmm. um, that I experience. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think even, you know, knowing that he is a five, um, there's also a gift in that of, you know, both of you are in very different ways have a tendency to withdraw, to to collect your thoughts, emotions, right? There's, there's more of a... Um, uh, interior world, but also like an independence in that interior world of like, I know myself, I know my thoughts. Um, and so for both of you in different ways, like having this sense of communicating, I need to leave, but I will come back. Right. So that it's not like I just left and I ghosted you and you have no idea if we're ever going to revisit this conversation, but like for both of you, cause he's going to have the same tendency too, of like, I don't want to ever talk about this. Like, you know, if it's his stuff, right. That feels like hard to explain. Um, it's getting more into that heart space, but to have a set, like, I know I need to talk about this. So let's talk about it Thursday. Right. For him. Um, but the, it's a sense of like, I need to leave, but I will come back. And there's that promise too of, um, I'm, I'm leaving for, for space, for clarity, but it's not because I don't care. It's not because I don't want you to be a part of it. I just, I need a little bit of time and I will come back to it. Yeah. 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 Um, 30 minutes is like never, never enough time. Um, but I'm curious if, if as you um, came into this space, was there any other like curiosity that you really wanted to, um, to name out loud, to explore, especially if it relates to this conversation or just, um, things that you were hoping for, uh, coming into this space? Yeah. Um, I, I could think of a couple things. Um, but I think one that I think about often is the relation of the the stress and security numbers and Mm -hmm. like, how you operate in those spaces. I feel like I have a base level knowledge of what they are. Um, but then when it gets into like what that actually looks like for Mm -hmm. a four, um, yeah, I feel like it's really helpful to kind of know and, and figure out when I can recognize when I'm in those spaces, um, as well as like, knowing that I don't take on the motivations of this certain number, but just show behaviors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So for type four, you know, those two numbers that you're connected to are one and two. And so um, traditionally it's talked about like one being your growth number and one being your stress number. And I think in some ways like that is helpful language, but also thinking about um, those numbers, both being resources for you. So you can slide into them and take on some of the unhelpful characteristics, but you also can choose to step into them and take on their strengths. So traditionally for type fours, when they're experiencing stress, you know, it first shows up in their, in their own type structure. Um, and that can show up in spaces of, um, feeling like there is, there's not balance. Like it's, it's very high highs and very low lows. A lot of times that's just because you're stressed. Right. Um, and which is also a helpful thing to keep in mind so that you don't attach too much meaning to the high, high and low lows or the hot and cold feelings around things. Cause it could be not that you have, you know, chosen the wrong person and he's not your soulmate. You could just be stressed. It has nothing to do with him. Um, but we attach a lot of meaning to our feelings. So it's a good thing to keep in mind. Um, and then, uh, you know, that could also show up in, um, having a, like a deep desire for, um, for people to understand you, but almost demanding it to be true. So for some fours that have more of a comfort level with anger that can show up in using like really assertive, really aggressive linger language for other fours. Um, it won't show up as much that way. It's going to be much more, um, of a, like, why won't you see me? And it becomes like more of a sad space. Um, 
When they move to type two though, that move uh, usually is this like desire of, I need to be connected. Like the world feels like it's spinning, everything feels rocky and shaky, and I need to be connected. And so type fours tend to become um, much more enmeshed with their significant relationships. So their spouse, their best friend, their mom, it could be ton, you know, it could be different people for different fours. But it's almost a sense of like the world feels like it's spinning and I need to at least be tethered to something. Um, and so in that space, fours can show up as more needy than what's ever typical for them because they t- tend to be pretty independent. Um, more desiring of like relationship assurance of like, are you going to leave? Like, are you here? Will you show up for me? Can I depend on you? Um, fours that are more assertive and, and um, aggressive might like poke their partner to make sure they're not going to leave, which can be very confusing because they didn't mean to do that because they're distressed. But then also the four, the partner is like, why did you do that? That was really mean or whatever. Right. Um, but it's like this very subconscious strategy of like, I need to know that you're not going to leave me. Like when things get hard, when things get rocky, like I need to know that you're here and that you're not going to leave me. And it's kind of that, that lower side of two of like wanting to be in that, that connected relationship that is indisputable and is not going anywhere. Um, so how does that piece land with you, that, that stress point? <laughs> Definitely resonates. Uh, I feel like I'm typically a very confident person. I feel pretty secure in my choices and, you know, what I lay out for my life and how I show up in the world. Um, same with my relationships, except there are times where I can get to that point where I'm like, you know, what if I just, (laughs) what if I just asked this question or, you know, in a way that is like, there's only one answer (laughs) and that's not helpful. Um, but I usually don't tend to see that till in till retrospect. Um, but yeah, no, I do find myself, um, feeling more clingy whenever I'm stressed Mm -hmm. and in moments when I don't feel as confident or as secure and I need lots of words of affirmation, but also that piece of connectedness that you mentioned, um, uh, in my strengths finder, I've had connectedness nearly, nearly every time I've taken it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I definitely do resonate with that piece as well of just finding the ways that all things in the world are connected, um, as well as through relationships. So. Yeah, for sure. And even in that, you know, that that um, connection to two can be a resource. You know, you can you can um, in those seasons of stress where we know like there's a lot on my schedule. This is just a, a guaranteed stressful weekend or week or whatever it might be. Um, stepping onto the high side of two is is more this orientation of um, being curious in a good way, not in a uh, so being curious about others and having a an almost an other reference, not a, how do they see me? So then it's still self-referencing like the type four structure. Cause there's, and there's other types that are self-referencing as well. Um, but more of an orientation of like, what might they need that has nothing to do with me? How might I like bless them or celebrate them or fellowship or, um, bring joy to that is not, it has nothing to do with me. It's, it's me enjoying them, if that makes sense. Um, and that's the high side of two, right? When two sinks down lower, it can become this like give to get that's very subconscious. But on the high side, it's like altruism of like, you know, not that I'm like, 
you know, a martyr and I'm like laying down everything to give to everyone, but of like a genuine, like this is joyful to give and this is joyful to get to celebrate with you. And this is joyful to get to like bless you and, you know, be here for you and whatever it might be. Um, that can be a real helpful way to kind of like pull, pull you out of the lower side of two if you're, if you're slipping into it for the stressful season. Yeah. Yeah. I, I adore the twos in my life and the way that they do that. And I always strive to be more that way. I feel like, um, even though it's not something that I feel like comes supernaturally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like, can be such a helpful gift to even acknowledge how that shows up for others of like what you see them do. Sometimes even like accepting that as a practice of like, Oh, that was really thoughtful to like write a thank you note after you get that I'll take on that practice or that was thoughtful to like, whatever I'll take on that practice. Um, but I think also acknowledging like there are going to be things that are very uniquely um, set to your like skill set and gifting and your ability to sense how others are doing and what's going on with them. Um, and so that like combination of the emotional intelligence of the four and then um, that altruism of the two, you know, when four takes it on, like that can be a real gift both to you and to them. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, friend, there's again, never enough time. Um, but I'm glad that I got to connect with you for a little bit. And, um, yeah, just, it's, it is really a gift for me to get to be back into a coaching space with you. Again, I know supervising you was not coaching, but it feels like it a little bit. We still have to talk about work. <laughs> yes, no, I, I, I miss those times so much. So this has been wonderful. Hey, Enneagram friend. If you found this episode helpful, would you do me a favor and share it with a friend that might also find it helpful? Inviting others to learn about the Enneagram with you really creates a greater depth of conversation that you can have in your community with the people that you're doing life with and that are supporting you along the way. Thanks for being a part of my Enneagram community by listening to this episode and sharing it with others.